Welcome to Future Foodcast. I'm Pam Miller, your host, and I'm very thankful and would like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Farm to Plate, a software company creating tomorrow's food business ecosystem today. And with us today, we have the Chief Operating Officer for Carolina Ingredients, Frank McKinney. Frank, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Uh, yeah, and I am really looking forward to this conversation because you have such a great story to tell about your time at Carolina Ingredients. But first of all, for people that might not know, because mm -hmm. Carolina Ingredients isn't necessarily on a label for us, tell us what you do. Uh, we're a 25-year-old food ingredient blending company of seasonings uh, for snack, bakery, uh, beef, poultry, and bakery goods. So what we do is we basically make taste to make things taste a little bit better. Um, and, and we try to do that by using and formulating uh, over the past three years with uh, healthier ingredients uh, that and that's what our customers are, are requesting. Uh, so we do full food develop, uh, uh, food science development uh, of the of the seasonings. We presently have 788 ac active ingredients. Everything from salts and sugars and flowers uh, to jackfruit powder and elderberry powder. So uh, people, you know, there's there's a large, large range of products that we do make, but it's it, we're business to business. We are not retail. Um, so, yeah, you don't see us on a label, uh, but we are in we make the products of major food manufacturers taste better. Well, we're all benefiting from the products of your labor to make things taste better, even though we don't know it. That's why I wanted you to explain about that that intermediary step, because you are B2B. You're you're in the internals of the supply chain of the food that we eat, but and we aren't necessarily going to see your name brand on uh, something that we buy. And I think that's important for us to know that there are people out there like you. Uh, but when you came to Carolina Ingredients, the, they were in need of some review and reworking. Can you give us a view of what the situation was like? Yep. The uh, the founder and the entrepreneur, a very successful uh, individual, great business, no fatal flaws, uh, but wasn't, he was great sales, great business person, just very dynamic. Operationally was not his strength. Operations was not his strength. So and maintenance and and quality control and and the whole operational package, right? So he had a turnaround situation. He had to turn down some business the year before because of the inability of of this operation to execute. And he wasn't going to commit to a customer to produce something that he could forecast that he wasn't going to be able to. So in his level of of responsibleness and. Uh, and character and integrity that he had, he said, I've got to do a turnaround situation here. And that's when he brought me in um, yeah. because that this is my ninth uh, facility uh, that I've worked in. I worked in some of the best in the United States and I've worked at the uh, largest improvement needed facilities also. Right. So yeah. I got, I got put into uh, and moved into plants that needed cultural change, operational change, uh, quality, cost, productivity, safety. So as a dynamic uh, entity. So that's what I did here. And I was given 
I was given uh, full reign. Uh, you know, I had to justify and, 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 you know, just not off the top of my head. I had a very strategic plan on how, how to bring this about. And from my experience, I had told, uh, before I was hired, I told Carolina Ingredients that 80 to 85% of what I saw out on the floor, as far as improvement goes, isn't going to be new equipment. It's not going to be uh, the shiny new dye. Uh, they had functional functional equipment, needed more maintenance, um, had functional processes, but it was all about compliance and execution and, and education and training and understanding, right? So I always say, you know, 80, 85% of the change in any facility, especially the initial turnaround, is all about people. It's all about people. Well, and let, let's take a brief pause there because I think the just the, the entrepreneurial story of the founder, kudos to him because a lot of entrepreneurs find themselves in exactly that situation. They have a great company going, great idea, good foundation, but then you, you meet up with the maximum of your abilities in certain areas and good that he realized he needed to go outside of himself in order to be able to grow it bigger and and went and got the help that he needed and and you were that help because you've been through so many different companies nine I think you said to mm -hmm. come in with with a broader view and some experience and perspective on even where to start I imagine you get overwhelmed at a certain point and you don't even know where to start well, and it really is, I, 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 you know, this may sound somewhat uh, contraire, but it's all about basics, right? And when you're trying, when I walked in and we were talking, I was talking the first couple of weeks here, they were talking about robotic stacking. And, and I said, whoa, 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 robotic stacking. You guys have to learn how to, we got to stack uh, right the first time with what we've got. Um, and and we weren't achieving that, right? We, well, technolo of, technology is good, but not if you're automating the, a process that's not good. I hear what you're saying. You've got to hone the process that you have before you can let technology be an advantage for you. I think is abs absolutely, and it's and it's also uh, the change management curve when you look at an organization. Uh, if you go into an organization and you're you're trying to implement things that are far above and outside of the capabilities of the organization, it's just going to crash and burn uh, because it's all about people again, right? So you have to bring them up. You have to create the vision, right? Uh, engage them in everything that's being done out on the floor. Uh, and, and you have to train and educate and, you know, utilize, utilize the tools that you have, uh, if it's a stopwatch, one of the most used tools in my uh, production and operations management is a stopwatch. I don't have to use that anymore for process uh, validation and process mapping. Now I've got a security system where I can scroll through a complete cycle of, of a uh, process and look at it from start to finish in a whole day in 45 minutes, wow. where it would have taken two to three days. Absolutely. But that's also a learning tool. I can teach and educate because I can know what I know. And while it's only this much of everything else, I do know what I know. And if I can pass that on and they, and, and this team can think and ask the questions that I would be asking, there's 
probability of success is, you know, tenfold higher. Frank, would you agree that one of the big problems in manufacturing today is, is that the, the people that know what they know, and it might be the guy on the manufacturing floor that knows this much, but he really knows what he knows about this much. Mm-hmm. And he's leaving, mm-hmm. or he's retiring, or he, he's no longer working that, and you lose that much, all that really intricate knowledge about that area of the business. And what I'm hearing is you engaged those people and said, we need to know what you know. We're gonna we're gonna use what you know, and and then we're gonna put the automation to that. You talked about the system you have now, but you didn't start there. You started with the stopwatch and figuring out what they were manually okay. doing, right? Absolutely. It yeah. all started with basics. And while a lot of people are bored by that um, because it's not real flashy, um, results talk and everything else walks, right? Yeah. And, and that's the old school uh, of thinking. And and the bottom line is to get tangible results, to engage people out on the floor, that's where my bread is buttered. I know where my success comes from. My success comes from their success, right? And so if I don't teach, educate, and engage them in every step of the way and learn from them because they know their jobs better than I do, that's hands down. I won't spend... 2000 hours doing their particular job. So I want to leverage that. I want what's between uh, people's ears just as much as, you know, the physical part of work, right? But what's between their ears is where the gold nuggets come from, right? That's where the gold nuggets come from as far as is being able to convert uh, that knowledge. And, and, you know, we've we've had some uh, very tenured uh, individuals that, you know, retired over through the COVID uh, thing. And, you know, the tribal knowledge that was lost, uh, what we found out there was twofold. Uh, knowledge that had been developed on very, very solid processes was, wasn't completely lost. As where, where there were weak processes, people made up their own process. Mm-hmm. And that made that person special because it was if they were there, the, these six things happened. But if they weren't there, those six, maybe four of those six things didn't happen. So that was almost a self-preservation uh, type mm-hmm. culture, and uh, we had to break that by putting in open, clearly documented uh, tr- uh, education, educationally based processes. Yeah. Here are the 14 steps. I mean, I've, I've got to the, we don't do this anymore, but seven years ago, we posted the seven step process to packaging a product because two or three steps were being missed pretty consistently enough yeah. to cause enough quality concerns. But the point was, wasn't about punishment. It wasn't about retribution. It wasn't about any of that. It was about results and being successful together. So we built a culture that it was okay to make a mistake because we had systems and processes in place to catch it at the next step, right? So there was never harm, no foul. If our process checks, our quality control checks and our process checks caught something wrong, I celebrate that. Right. Yes. Yes. You can, you can fix it if you catch it. 
Absolutely. And yeah. what do people do if uh, it's uh, all about fire and brimstone and and blaming? Right. This what is this is why I, we. Well, I didn't mean to. This is why we have food safety issues. Is because the people on the floor are afraid to speak up when they see an issue or make a mistake or have to stop production or feel like they're going to cost the company money and that'll be negative towards them. But what I'm hearing from you is you did away with that kind of culture. You were like, we are all in this together. We're all about results. We're all about quality results. And you get cheered and it's positive to bring up when something goes wrong or you see something that shouldn't be happening, that is happening. And we are going to stop production and fix it because it's going to be better for all of us in the long run and the consistency and quality of our product. Right. So on a monthly basis, I take what we call, whether it's a safety near miss, or a cue we call quality near misses, anything that our process caught that was wrong, right? right? And we bring those up and I financially put, okay, if this blender did not catch that this product was weighed incorrectly and created a, a, a substandard blend, it wouldn't have passed test. It would have cost us up to $60,000 wow. because of the product that it was going to go into. And what did it cost us when that blender found it? It cost us around $8,200. Absolutely nothing I'm cheering about, but I didn't need to go to Notre Dame to understand that $82 or 60. I'm going to, I'm going to take the 82 and say, that's a great investment to have avoided a $60,000 loss not to mention the customer uh, perception, the shipping, all the things that go into that. Well, wow, Frank, that is genius to just, for our audience listening, th that that approach to actually monetize what it, uh, it yes, it costs you to shut down production or fix that problem or whatever it was. But let's compare that to what would have happened if we didn't address the safety issue or the production issue or the consistency or whatever the anomaly might've been. I, I just love that whole approach. Well, okay. Excellent. 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 The way you just start into the whole thing. It's no wonder you've been so successful, but share some of that success with us. What's happening now? What's happening at Carolina Ingredients? What happened over the seven years since you've been there? Like it's a, what's going on? Um, well, um, I'm still here. Yeah, and, which is and, good. Uh, so over over that time, I, I this was a turnaround situation, and the whole turnaround situation came about because the entrepreneur and founder realized when an outside business looked at an acquisition of Carolina Ingredients, they said, uh, "No, we're not interested. We like the business. We're just not interested in the way it's being ran." Okay. And so two years later, that same company uh, came back in, uh, obviously saw dramatic changes. And that wasn't because I'm smarter than anybody. I was smart enough to listen and engage and then put my experience into it, but mixed it up. This operation, this team mixed it up and made uh, a very successful product. And so that company, uh, we are now a fully owned subsidiary of Mitsubishi International Food Ingredients. One of the best things that could have ever happened to this business. Seven years ago, we were producing 9.5 million. Uh, we did 17 and a half million uh, this past year. Um, our, our EBIT was right around four and a half percent, and we are at 7%. Um, our 
we would produce seven years ago, 185,000 pounds uh, in five days. And it took uh, a sixth day to produce up to 250,000 pounds. We do 450,000 pounds in five days. And I've only made one systematic change. And that doesn't, and that was to take the small blends away. So what I want to impress upon I, I didn't get I didn't get uh, millions and millions of dollars to put into equipment. I did get millions of dollars to build the infrastructure, the education, the process, everything that's inside that's focused on driving people's behaviors. Absolutely. And that's the advantage of being a part of Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi is very cognizant and very respectful of culture. They know the value of it. They know the value of it at its core. Right. And uh, so our ability to do that uh, has taken our profitability. We went from 45 total employees. We're at 95 now. So what we've done is we've maximized out what our capabilities are. And we're only a one shift operation. So now instead of running five days a week, we run four days a week and we run 10 hours a day. If we run the fifth uh, day, it's because we have a large order that a customer needs in an abnormally short amount of time. Uh, so our rule of thumb is if we're running four days, we're uh, doing our maintenance and our cleanup, everything on Friday, we have much better uh, attendance, much better retention, uh, uh, especially on the hourly ranks because they're mm-hmm. basically getting Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They can work Friday if they want, and that's for overtime, right? Right. But so we've changed the culture here. The average in food manufacturing, uh, as far as uh, if you take your EBIT, your earnings before interest and taxes, Mm -hmm. at the end of the year, you take that lump sum, major food manufacturers are right around three to 5% reinvestment. We're at 18%. So this is a long-term investment. This isn't okay. And, And we're profitable and we're very profitable. But the thing about that is we're profitable and we could maintain our costs all through COVID. uh, This last year was the first time in five years that we had a price increase because not because everything got cheaper over five years. It's because we offset them with the investments and the process change and the tools to enable this team to do more basically with less time. Uh, So and that's always the goal, right? Uh, So we've kind of hit our plateau on one shift. Uh, We are moving, we will be moving to an extended uh, second shift and that's our next step. And that'll take us to right around 27 million uh, uh, pounds capacity. So we're, we're poised and ready to do that. Wow. That's really exciting. And I um, thank you for laying that out for those that are listening to us that are involved in operations, maybe similarly, or, you know, are just interested in that. It's just a great story about um, how important to the the people are and the culture is. And like you said, paying attention to that. And uh, your people must be very happy if they're you know, able to put out so much more and working less and having time with their families. That is what is happening a lot with employment right now is that people are making decisions about balancing their lives in those ways. And so your timing couldn't have been better to be able to implement some of these changes that you put in there. Well, yeah. and moving, I'm sorry. No, and just to be supported in doing that, this is not easy. Okay, it is not easy for me to uh, be told about a twelve thousand dollar loss 
It's very difficult for me to be positive about that. But when I look and when I slow myself down and I discipline myself to show what that would have cost us if that got outside our plant, Mm -hmm. even I can smile about that. It Mm -hmm. it doesn't take the sting away from the $12,000 loss, but it sure takes the sting away from the non-sustainable business practices that would have hurt us badly. Right. And then also the the public knowledge of what might be going on, depending on what it was, or if you have to have some kind of recall or, you know, all of all of the publicity that might go along with, depending on what kind of error it is. If you can catch things earlier and before it gets outside of your doors, that's better. Fix it and and move forward. You're right. It doesn't take away the sting, but it does help you elevate with internally without everyone knowing. Absolutely. Next steps involve you're you're gonna just be you're you're set up to continue to grow. You're gonna put more people in another shift, have a little bit of extended shift. So that's a thought. Uh, Mm -hmm. You talked about your equipment and and making sure you know maintenance is so important. The equipment will. It's like uh, buying a car. Usually, buy used cars and drive them forever because when you take care of them. They last when you change the oil, when you take care, rotate the tires, when you do the things you need to do for those of us who are average consumers, those in manufacturing, though, equipment maintenance is the equivalent, right? You have to take care of those very, very expensive manufacturing machines. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to set us up for the future, we've invested in things like near-infrared technology, we do oh, tell me about that. Near infrared technology uh, is used and been used in pharmaceuticals for decades, uh, and it was developed for pharmaceutical because when you take a pill, uh, you want to make sure that it has the exact amount uh, in that pill. Well, those are made on a stamping machine, and so they verified and validated using near infrared technology, which is 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 a simply a, a way of taking. 60 pictures of each particulate in a blend and knowing which one they are. And it shows when they are completely and evenly blended so that we can certify that, okay, of these 12 ingredients, I can take, I can take a pound from this side and a pound from that palette over there. And it will test within plus or minus 2% of what we say. And so when we're talking about 2%, that sounds like maybe a lot, but we're we're talking about four particles uh, is 2% of that blend, right? So it's very, very accurate. And it's very, very important, especially for our functional blends in the meat uh, application, where they're used to stop the, uh, the meat from drying out when it's cooked, from uh, draining uh, nutri- nutrients from it. It re- makes the uh, meat, the chicken or the steak maintain, not to just take its nutrients and let it run out into a pan, but to stay inside. And then also, you know, the quality, the mouthfeel, et cetera. So near infrared technology, we're, there's uh, only baby food manufacturers are using NIR in, in, in food manufacturing. Uh, We're the only seasoning uh, manufacturer in the United States using NIR. Okay, uh, and we partnered with uh, two very, very successful companies to do that, and um, they have enabled us to stay ahead of the curve. The next thing that we put, let's see, on the horizon, especially in food ingredients, is heavy metal. 
heavy metal testing um, has been it's been accelerating, right? So as we're finding out things that are growing all over the world, right? Um, there are certain certain areas and certain things. There are uh, beech nut. Beech nut stopped making any baby food that was rice based because rice has an accelerated and an elevated level of heavy a specific heavy metals depending on where it's grown. So what we're doing is we're testing we're testing our incoming ingredients. There's 10 ingredients um, that we've identified that have a higher risk. Uh, we end up testing all of our ingredients over a whole year, but we couldn't do that if at $100 per 100 gram test for heavy metal, that's very, very expensive, right? Yes, yeah, a lot. So I was afforded, we were afforded to take a, a TXRF technology, buy that machine, and the whole investment's about $200,000, but we also test for $3.50 $3. per sample. So we can accelerate our testing, stay cost competitive, and be responsible to the customers and obviously the final consumer that's consuming the products that we're putting in to make the food taste better. But if it's not healthy, that's against our, our business practices. That's against everything that we stand for. Right. And so we're staying ahead of things like that with, uh, T, you know, the NIR and the TXRF, the heavy metal testing. That's just two examples. Yeah, I think that the infrared technology, just, just validating the distribution of the blend that you say you're getting, that you really are getting that blend. Yes. And that's a market differentiator for you. No one else is doing that. So right. that. It, it empowers, it's definitely empowered our salespeople. Absolutely. Absolutely. If I were a salesperson for you, that'd be maybe the first thing I'm going to talk about. That's right. And, that, and, we're, and we're proud of that because we've taken some very functional blends that have to be very, very accurate mm -hmm. because if they're missing part, they can lose a hundred thousand pounds of meat, uh, right. even though right. it's only at one hundredth of a percent going into that, if it's not right, it's not going to uh, be a functional blend. So yeah, we've got, uh, we got about $2 million worth of business just because of NIR. Yeah, that's, that's really exciting. And that's a neat differentiator for you. And I'm really glad that you, you know, the whole technology, we love technology here at Future Foodcast. Our sponsor is a technology software company right. that with blockchain product, they and we just, we just love it. We love to hear about how technology is helping companies to deliver better and more quality food ingredients and products to consumers. We as consumers love that. And we love that there are companies out there like Carolina Ingredients that are doing the hard work and keeping the quality up. I mean, that is, is there anything that you do retail where I could buy anything from you? How would I is there anything I can buy from you? I would love to. No, we have oh, absolutely no. <laughs> no retail outlets. No retail um, outlets. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if if you eat chicken, uh, beef, pork, snack foods, any of the, not the top three, but the I'd say that in the top 10 snack manufacturers in the United States, okay. uh, there is a 90% chance you're already eating our product. So I have a good excuse now to eat more snack foods. Is that what you're telling me? I just, but you know what, the, you know, <laughs> you might have to have a Brussels sprout uh, puff or a cauliflower puff. So, you know, we make that too, right? So okay. we, we do a lot of different seasonings. 
Well, I love Brussels sprouts and cauliflower, luckily for you, Frank. Uh, thank you for sharing all this information with us. Before we go, we, we have probably overwhelmed our audience with just quality information today. What is there anything else you'd like to leave them with that we haven't talked about? The only thing that I, I would want your audience to, to understand is that we all have a responsibility in the food industry. And, and there have been times in my career that I have not been proud to work in the food industry because of some of the things that are being done, especially with processed foods, right? And, and, and those had a time. But as we're making fresher products, healthier products, that we all have the responsibility. And it's not about uh, being vegan or non or this or that. It's about responsibility to the health. Of, I mean, that's what I take pride in that people actually consume and use our product. My kids, my grandkids, my family still buys products from every single company I've worked for because of that loyalty. And, and I, want to, I want your audience to understand that this is a joint responsibility and it's not about being pious or holier than thou. It's about being transparent, talking about the things that need to be talked about, and you know what? Being responsible to each other as, as human beings. Thank you so much, Frank. And thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today on Future Foodcast. I also want to thank our sponsor, Farm to Plate, a software company enabling better food supply chain management. If you'd like to know more, you can check them out at farmtoplate.io. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 